a, not an easy situation for them to be in, uh, but they are serving there. They actually just got back from Myanmar just recently. Uh, but prior to that, they served as missionaries in China. Um, they were there teaching English, and they were there for 20 years. And maybe you've heard the name Kevin and Julie Garrett. They spent, I think, 775 days in a Chinese prison. Uh, he was uh, charged with espionage and spying. And uh, they just ran a coffee shop on the border and ministered into North Korea. But somehow they got charged with spying. And uh, they're going to be with us in a couple weeks' time. But we wanted just to give you a little bit of a, a teaser, for lack of better words. It's a, it's a minute long. Next week we'll give you a bit longer of an update. And um, so if we can play that now. The Chinese government is accusing two Canadians of spying. Kevin Garrett and his wife, Julia Dong Garrett, were under investigation by the State Security Bureau. However, their current whereabouts are unknown. 30 years, Kevin and Julia Dong Garrett have made China their home, recently running a small cafe. They said my parents are being held at an undisclosed location somewhere in Bandung. Um, that they cannot reveal that location. Kevin Garrett and his wife have been confined and harassed by Chinese security officials for over a year. Now Kevin is facing phony espionage charges. They told me I'm being taken to prison. And at first, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought, is this really happening? Am I really a criminal? Their ordeal was long and tough, yet their dignity and strength never wavered. Kevin, welcome home. Yeah, uh, just in fact, this month in September marks the month that they got released. I think it was on September 15th. So they'll be with us just prior to that anniversary of them being released. As you know, there's currently still three Canadians being held in China on phony charges. And uh, we need to pray. We need to pray that God would move in that land. I know that often we just hear about the two uh, Kevins that are currently being held in China, but there's actually a third individual that's also being held there. And uh, we need to be praying that God would move in that land. Amen? And I believe the two Kevins are currently being held for somewhere around a thousand days so far in a Chinese prison. And uh, in the video that you'll see next week, Kevin describes what that prison situation was like and it's it isn't a country club um, kind of horrific in fact when I think about the conditions of, that they were living in uh, that I wasn't even aware I mean I knew they were in jail but uh, so next week we'll show that video to you and I want to encourage you to be with us on the 19th as Kevin and Julie Garrett are with us. Uh, just a couple more things before we get into the sermon this morning. Next Sunday, uh, Sharon and I will be away. We have been invited back to a former church that we pastored as they're burning their mortgage. And, uh, you know, that's always a nice thing to get invited back. That means that you didn't mess it up too bad. And, uh, you know, it, what an honor to be back there with them as they celebrate the burning of their mortgage. And as I was sharing with someone, they said, well, maybe they can send some our ways and help us out. 
And all I said was, I will ask. You know, so, so you never know. They've done their mortgage. Uh, maybe they will. And also, uh, we know that the restrictions as far as mask mandates go in Alberta has now come into place. Uh, what does that mean for us here in Saskatchewan? That means that we will continue to follow Saskatchewan health guidelines. If that changes uh, and masks are asked to be back in place in a public building, then that is what we will do. So a lot of the things that we plan and even that we go forward on, we hold. I was talking with somebody this week. I said, you know, we kind of hold it like this. Like, you know, it, you hold it lightly. You learn how to just say, you know what, God, whatever you, whatever you want, Lord, we will do. Uh, because our goal is to, to not just be bitter and to uh, be complaining. How many of you know that complaining really helps somebody find out about the love of Christ? Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, so we will hold things lightly, uh, knowing that he can still be glorified, even though things may change. So let's, uh, let's make sure that we don't get an attitude of being bitter or complaining or whining. Uh, because things can change. Even with our breakfast, I'm, you know, as I'm thinking about it, if regulations happen that we can't do it, then guess what? We're not having breakfast. Um, we will continue to honor those that God has placed in authority over us. And that's what Romans chapter 14 tells us. And uh, we want to make sure that we're doing that as much as maybe it makes us uncomfortable. This morning, um, we know that, of course, our election is coming up. Would you please continue to be in prayer for our nation and for the election? Um, please vote. It's important that you do. I'm not asking you who to vote for, and I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm just making, make sure you get your voice heard. And, you know, the, the thing is with elections, I go back to the Old Testament and when we moved, when the people of God moved from having a theocracy, when they moved from having God as the one in charge, and God said, you really want a king. You want somebody to rule over you. And he said, he told them, the Israelites, what a king would do. And they were like, yeah, 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 but we still want a king. And since that day until this day, in fact, we continue to complain at those that are over us. When it's really believers that have moved and said, no, no, we want, a, we want democracy, not a theocracy. We don't want God as our head. We want somebody else. I'll tell you this, anytime you have more than two people and somebody's in charge, somebody's a complainer, right? Because we're not always going to get what we want. We're not always the one making the calls and making the, the, the responsibilities happen. So we've moved, uh, the, the church, the believers have moved on from having a theocracy to what we have today. And sometimes we look at, at our situations and we say, God, what would you do? God, what are you doing? Well, bringing our series to a conclusion this morning called The Great Reset or The Great Comeback. Sorry, not The Great Reset. That sounds like a political statement. You're saying, yeah, I heard that statement. Uh, the great comeback 
Just checking if you're listening. You know, when we think about coming back, we have this feeling in our mind that we've become so progressive, that we have moved on. It, that was yesterday's. That was yesterday. We want something new today. We want something fresh today. And yeah, God can be new and God can be fresh every day. You know, we shouldn't just be like the children of Israel when God was leading them out and giving them manna and quail. You know, he, and he told them not to store it up. So some, God gives us new things every day. In fact, his mercies are new every morning. But when we get to our walk with God, sometimes we get stagnant because we think, well, I want something more, you know, more flashy, more lights, more. It's got to really make me jump up. We got rid of the, I think we donated it to the hockey arena because they played the organ every once in a while. And even they have since gotten rid of their organ. But, you know, we would complain, I wish we had the old music. And I used to say to that person, or I thought to myself, I don't think I said it, because I have a little bit of a sarcasm, but that's not a spiritual gift. But I thought to myself, you want the old style music, so how old do you want to go? Because, in fact, what the early church was singing was not what we're singing today. Uh... Do you want to go back to the Gregorian chants? Like, where do you want to go back to? At what point do you say, I wish we just had the good old times? Well, but where is that? Where is that? As we go back, as we look back, and in fact, the title of my message is Back in Focus. If you're like me, if you take your glasses off, the word focus really comes in clear. Back in focus. The church in Ephesus was missing something. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to look at Revelation chapter 2 this morning. The church in Ephesus was missing love. Though they maintained truth, they had lost an important element. Their passion of their faith and their service was missing. And it can happen. We'll look at, at Revelation 2 in just a moment. The Bible teaches us that if we lose our first love for Christ, our service will become weary and the results will be just another institution attempting to create another product. God calls us to have passion in our service for him. And when we do, our ministry becomes a joy rather than a job. I can't even remember how many points this morning. We'll get there when we get there. The first one is approval. You know, we all like a, a, a thumbs up. It's like, yep. I didn't even put words on this one because we just know what that means. Although in some countries that doesn't mean good job. That means you're hitchhiking or something other than. In Revelation chapter 2 and verses 1 and 2, it says this. To the angel in the church in Ephesus write, 
The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works. Your toil and your patient endurance. And how you cannot bear with those who are evil. But have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. And have found them to be false. Good letter so far. I mean, any one of us would be like, yeah, thank you. This is an amazing letter. Honey, did you read that part? Did you read it? Like, right there. It's like, good stuff. Like, thank you for these words of encouragement. You know, I know your works, your toil, your, your endurance. It's not hard to like a church, like the church in Ephesus. It was full of hard workers. It was full of people who were willing to get the job done. They weren't just sporadic in their faith. They were hardworking all the time. They were like, okay, what can I do next? And what is the next job? And what is the next job? They earned their reputation. Now, the church in Ephesus was located in a city that was, oh, less than ideal. Ephesus was... It was a unique city. About 250,000 people lived in Ephesus at this time. Uh, it was the chief uh, seaport of Asia. Nearly all the goods from the east going to the west went through Ephesus. Their roads were wide. Their homes were spacious. Their buildings were elaborate. It was a touristy town. You know, it's like, hey, where are you going on holidays? We're going to Ephesus. You know, it's like, oh, okay, that sounds like a fun place to go. It was also very religious. Ephesus was very religious, having dozens of temples and to various gods and goddesses. One of the seven wonders, in fact, was in Ephesus. It was a temple, Artemis, also called Diana. And in this temple, it was huge. It was 425 feet long, lined with marble and gold, all kinds of jewels. Yeah, and about a thousand prostitutes in the temple. Artemis was the goddess of love. And the city of Ephesus, in fact, even reflects that title. The word Ephesus means desirable or, or maiden of choice. The church in Ephesus was probably the largest church in that day. The church was entering its second generation, and it was established by Paul around 50 or 60 A.D., it was a well-established church in a horrific town where temples were less than proper. It had a good reputation, though. The church was built at a spiritual crossroads as far as God was concerned. And how ironic that its problem was that of love. In this town where love just 
seem to flow. I mean, we think Vegas is called Sin City. Ephesus would put Vegas to shame. And that love is the issue in the church, in the city where love is, or the thought of love is flowing. That love is the issue where the love goddess is the strongest. There was nothing wrong with their service. There was nothing wrong with their works. They were losing their passion for God. In a town that had a premium on passion. It could easily become a liability to snag the gospel. That's why it was so critical that the church in Ephesus get it right. If their ministry was duty alone, the people of that town would fail to see the difference between real love and just lust. They had the perfect opportunity to show the Ephesians the difference between passion for God and a passion turned to lust for a false God. A chance to make a difference. A chance to say, hey, we can be different. A chance to say, you know what? These times are different and we need to live differently. God wasn't asking them for more work. Just motivation based on loving God as they once had. That's what God wanted. He wanted them not just to work, not just to put the time in, but to say, you know what, my whole being, I want to love God. I want to lift him up. No, I won't even say that, what I was going to say. I think sometimes when the world looks at us today, I pray and I hope that they see something different. You see, we're living in a time that I don't think, well, we've never been through before. And I hope that what the world sees from you and me as believers is different than what they would just see from somebody who doesn't. Should we be shocked that things are changing? No. But we need to be aware, and as we are aware, then we need to live differently. We need to be attracting as opposed to repelling. In verse 2 and 3, it says, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and have found them to be false. I know you are enduringly patient and bearing up for my namesake and you have not grown weary. Not only have they not worked hard, they weren't quitters. They worked hard and man, they gave it all. They persevered. They got the job done. They weren't sidetracked by the opposition. They weren't sidetracked and said, I don't know what this world is throwing at us, but let's just sit down. They didn't do that. They didn't do that. They didn't just say, I guess we give up. I guess we stop. LGF, hear me this morning. This world around us may change. And it's going to change. 
But that doesn't mean that we change our focus. Our focus is to reach people with the love of Christ. That hasn't changed. Our, our focus is to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That hasn't changed. Christ didn't give us something different to do. This world around us is not going to be what we once thought it was. It changes. It constantly changes. You know, sometimes we think, well, it'd be just nice to get back to normal. Well, what was normal anyways? What was normal anyways about where we were? Because we looked at those times and we said, well, things aren't getting any better. What was normal? Well, I'll tell you this, we long lost normal when Adam and Eve sinned in that garden. That was the last normal on this earth. Because prior to this season, normal was, well, there was wars and famines and people starving and people imprisoned and all kinds of theory, things happening. We've long moved on from normal. And church, it's time that we get back to not losing our first love, not being sidetracked. You see, these Ephesian believers, they were stalwarts of good doctoring and teaching. They even could identify false teachers. They said, no, no, this one's not, they're not preaching the gospel. I want to follow the one who preaches the gospel. God commends them for their stability. He commends them for being a second generation church in a city that is tied up and lost, and lost. The church had given adequate time to really develop their teaching and their programs, and yet something important was missing. It's important enough that Christ would say to them, you know what, if you don't get this right, I'm going to come and remove your lampstand. I'm going to come and just say, you know what, you're on your own. You see, they were working for Christ. They understood they had some good things going on. And it's important enough that Christ says, you know what, if you don't get back to your first love, I'm removing your lampstand. I'm removing where that light sits. Verse 4, it says, but I have, oh, a complaint, <laughs> yeah. It says, but I have this against you that you've abandoned the love you had at first. Hmm. Think back to when you were first saved. When you first accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Has it changed? Has your life changed? Have you gone from, I want to tell everybody about Christ, to I want to tell everybody how much I'm complaining about the issue of the day. Have you lost your first love? What has changed inside of you? That's what God is asking this church in, in the Ephesus. He's saying, what is going on? You're doing so good in these things, but you've abandoned your first love. You see, they were not too far from being similar to the temple at Artemis, to that temple of lust. How? Like, how, how does it even happen? 
You see, in the temple of Artemis, there was all kinds of activity, but no real love. Just lust. If they as a church had lost their first love, they would be left with all kinds of activity, but also no real love. They could have all the outward appearances of worship, of service, and still be empty. You see, you can have all of the exterior things, but sooner or later the inside begins to show. You ever, guys, have you ever done some body work on a car? My dad gave us an old truck when we were teenagers. Probably, I'm glad that he gave it to us because we would have wrecked it. Well, we wrecked it. But it was this rusty old work truck. My brother and I, we didn't have a clue what we were doing, but we thought we were body men. My dad had tools. And so we got out this grinder and we were grinding away the rust on this truck. You know, and, and you think you get it all. Well, you're, we were 15, 16. We, what did we know about body work? Absolutely zero. We didn't even know anybody who was a body monument. Like, that's how, much, that's how little we knew. Our dad was a carpenter, didn't work at a body shop. So we had no reference. And we just started grinding things out and thought, yeah, this is it. And then we just started to spray paint it with the primer. But you know what? If you don't get all that rust out, guess what? Yeah, it's coming back. It's like, oh, man. I'm sure we, we ground right through on that truck at spots that we, we found this great stuff. It's called Bondo. And it fills all the holes that you grind out. And they had this mesh like a screen that you could fill in. I, I'm sure we put about probably an extra 40 to 50 pounds of, of Bondo just on one back part of the truck. You know, because we didn't have a clue what we were doing. It looked good. Because there was no metal left. You see, if you don't get it all right, if you don't have your life right with Christ, you can have the appearances of it looks good. But it's just going to rush through. Because you don't get it all out. You haven't removed all of the things that shouldn't be there. You can have the appearances, but it doesn't last. God says that's true with your life and mine. We can have the appearances. This church in Ephesus, they had the appearances. Man, there was something going on there. But it was showing through what they were missing. We're here to change our world. That's why we exist. You didn't come to a social club. We're not just going to talk about the social issues. We're not just going to focus on what, what is going on in our world. We're going to focus on who the God of the gospel is and how that can change our lives and how that needs to change our world around us. Because if we're just talking about the social issues of the day, we would be here all day. When you talk about the love of Christ... The love of God existed or needed to exist in this church so that this, this town could see the difference between lust and love. 
For them to ignore love would leave the people without a way to know the difference. This is true of the church today, isn't it? If we don't love God and love one another, and when God tells us to love one another, what does that mean? Not just those who are similar to us. When he tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves, say, no, no, I don't get along with that neighbor. No, he says you need to love them. You need to care for them. You see, loving your neighbor means even loving those that you don't agree with. Even those who are not on the same page as you. Oh, but Pastor, it's so much easier just to love those who are similar. <laughs> yeah, we all know that. But we need to love those who are dissimilar to us. I want to challenge you. As we start a new church year, so to speak, In your interactions with those who don't know Christ, would you try to grow that, that circle of influence? Say, you know what, I want to try to connect with five people that don't know Jesus Christ the way I do. And maybe they think differently. Maybe they vote differently. Maybe they live differently. If, if all your friends vote and think just like you do, you need to broaden that friend circle. You need to start saying, okay, how do I have somebody who... It's going to make me think a little bit differently. And say, so how do I reach them for Christ? What if we fail to really love God properly? What if we fail to really love one another properly? What model will the world have if we don't become that model? I have a fear, and not that our friends in America are wrong or bad, but I have a fear that we're becoming Americanized and even our thinking, that if you're a Christian, you can only vote a certain way. Let us be wise. Let us be wise in how we talk and how we treat one another, how we think about somebody who thinks differently than us. How will we ever reach them for Christ if we're just so close-minded? You see, we need to have love. A loveless church or a loveless Christian is a serious offense to God. God says you can have all of the things that you're thinking on the outside, but unless you have love, Hmm, you're missing it. You see, and me loving those and loving my neighbor means even loving those who think differently than me and allowing them an opinion that's different than mine. But I will still love them with the love of Christ without any qualifier saying, well, I can only love you if you think this way. A church that only loves truth Hear me. A church that only loves truth and not each other is in danger of losing their lampstand. 
This church in Ephesus, they loved truth. In fact, they could pick out the false teachers from the right teachers. They could say, no, no, this one's not right. They loved truth, but they were in danger because they didn't love one another. We can be so right that we become so wrong. God help us to love those who are different than us. Yes? He brings a correction to them. Verse 5, he says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Let's leave that verse there for a while, please, Carol. God doesn't leave them with a problem. He offers them a solution. He doesn't leave them with a problem. He doesn't say, you know what, go ahead, try to fix it. He doesn't say, you know what, you, you can't turn this around. The starting point was the very first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. If we want to be the church that comes back, we remember from where we were. We remember those days when we first accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we had such a love and a passion burning within us that everybody we talked to, we wanted to talk about Christ to. Everybody we saw, we said, you know what, you, you know what happened to me? I found Jesus, and my life has changed. We remember our first love. And our first love becomes more important than just being right. Remember from where you have fallen. Those who forget the good things of God in the past will lose their passion for God in the future. We're, we're, we have so many people that always want just something new, something more spectacular. You know, it, and what we had yesterday just isn't spectacular enough for today. And then when they get something new again, they're like, no, that's not enough anymore. They want to keep going. God says, you don't remember where you were. It's not always about some new shiny thing. It's about having your heart right with God. It's about having love in your heart towards those that are outside of your circle. Those who forget the good things of God in the past will lose their passion for God in the future. Sometimes it's good for us to remember the passion which was once we served God. Sometimes it's good for us to sit down and say, you know what, my life... Man, if I remember back to that day when I got saved, everybody heard about Christ. Everybody heard about my love. Everybody heard my passion. He says, remember from where you have fallen and do the works you did at first. Oh, love that. You want to be the comeback church? Let's do what we were called to do at first. What did the early church do? Read the Acts. That early church, they loved one another. They, they brought everything they had they shared together. They shared with joy. They shared in communion. Nobody was in need. They loved the community. Do the things you did at first. You see, the word, when we think about repentance, 
because he tells us to repent. We don't preach much about repentance anymore because nobody wants to think about their sin. It's not really a popular topic. If we were to have a revivalist meeting, we all want something new. If we were to have a repentance service, they say, well, I'm not so sure. That's not for me. That's somebody else. You go. You, that's for you. That one's for you. This one, I want something new. Nobody thinks they need it. It's just old-fashioned, isn't it? Repentance has never been a popular thing to preach or to practice. The church was not only called to be remembered, but to repent. Sometimes the road to progress is found in reverse. Is going back. Saying, God, I've missed it. I've been traveling this long, this far, too long. It's time that we get back to where we were. It's time that we repent and say, God, in us there should be something different. They're called to rerun from their, to their previous record within the passion they had lost for Christ. They're called to get back to what drove them to love Christ, to, to make a difference in the first place. When this church started 30-some years ago, it started with a desire and a passion to reach people for Christ. It started with a desire to see individuals in this city and area know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's still our desire today. But I tell you, that needs to be what drives us. I want LGF to be known not for the fact that we've got good music. I, don't want, I want LGF to be known for not just the fact that we've got a, a big building. I don't want LGF to be known for the fact that we've got good preaching. I don't want LGF to be known for anything other than those people love Christ and they, they want to see individuals come and find Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's, it's not about everything else. It's not even about preaching the truth. Man, man, that pastor preaches on truth. It's not about that. It's that people would find their love for God and that God loves them. And they'd have them return to that. Sometimes it doesn't take a thrilling program to revitalize a church. But it takes repeating the passion that once built the church. Let's get back to it. Let's get back to wanting to see people find Christ as Lord and Savior. Some of the best things in life have been around for a long time and are worth repeating. Over and over again, the prophet spoke the same message. And Israel wanted to hear something new and different. And we're no different, are we? It's like, well, we don't want to just hear about loving the lost. We don't want to just hear about saving the lost, about reaching the lost. We don't want to hear about loving our neighbor. Couldn't you give us something new? Not if I'm going to preach you the gospel. I mean, I'm not, I'm not pulling out an extra book here. We're giving you the Bible. 
So if you want something with more trinkets on it, I'm sorry, you've come to the wrong place. We'll tell you about the Word of God. That, that's our, our world today that we live in, is it, though? You know, we tried Jesus. We went to church once. I went to church for even for a little bit. But, uh, you know, I've kind of moved on. You ever hear somebody say those words? I want something new. I want something different, something more splashy, something with some more sparkle to it. It's time that we get back to just loving Christ. That we just love him with our whole being. That we love our neighbors. And what does that look like, loving our neighbors? It means living differently. It means that we choose love, that we say, you know what, I want to I wanna see this world around me know Christ. You see, we need to master the old stuff. Having been a preacher for more than three decades, well, it's scary when you say that. There's nothing new. It gets a new name. A new person becomes the, the, the star. But there's really nothing new. There isn't. There's the gospel. There's the Bible. There, there's not the Bible 2.0. You know, it's not like, well, we, we finished that volume. Is there a second one? No, no, no. We need to learn to live the first one. There's really nothing new. We clamor and we strive and we run after something that's new. And God says, would you remember what you're supposed to be doing? Return. Verse 6, it says, yet this, yet this you have. You hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. In the midst of renewal and passion, God states the importance of keeping that passion focused properly. The worship team could come back and just lead us in a course as we close this morning. In the midst of this renewal and passion, God states the importance of keeping that passion focused properly. Hating the practices of sin and not the sinner's. We're called to hate sin, not those who sin. We're called to love those who sin. But we hate sin, not the person. God help us. Perhaps God added this knowing the dangers of passion rekindle could also create a passion that moves in the wrong direction. You see, he's trying to bring them back to life, and he says, no, wait, wait a minute. You hate them? Yes, yeah, so I don't hate them. I hate their works. I don't hate the people. I hate what they're doing. I hate the sin. So let's get focused again. You remember, because when we first got saved, I don't know about you, but I was, man, there was such a, a passion and a fire you know, you'd read something in the Bible, it's like, yeah, I'm going to just go and tell everybody. And sometimes you didn't have a lot of wisdom. Right? 
Or is that just me? But God's saying, you know, okay, let's get some wisdom back in there as well. Let's understand the Word of God. We can have passion. We can have zeal. But let's have wisdom. Let's have some understanding with this. That it wouldn't take away from what God is wanting us to do. Verse 7, it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Isn't it? I love that. Do you remember where I said normal was? Back in the Garden of Eden, wasn't it? God says to the church in Ephesus, you get back there, this is what you get. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who conquers, I will grant the right to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. God says, I want to take you back. I want to take you back to normal, back to where you loved me and you loved others and you changed the world. That's what God wants for us. That's what God has in store for us. Is, is loving him and being able to receive everything that he has for us. We need discerning in these days. We need discernment like we haven't had. We need discernment to separate hatred towards the right tasks. And to see the need in our own heart. Would you say, Father, would you grant to me discernment to see the things in my own life which just have become tasks that are not love motivated but are simply task motivated? Would you give me discernment to see the things in my own life that need to change? I'm going to give you some signs that you may have lost your passion in service. Just go ahead and play if you want. Maybe there's an apathy about service. Maybe there's a joyless experience. I'll do it if I have to. Maybe there's a bitter spirit. Maybe judgmental in your heart towards others. Maybe boredom. Maybe you've been sitting here all service with your fidget spinner just trying to get endure. Maybe pride rather than passion. Maybe just frequent complaining. As I look at this list, I probably could have added more things. Thinking how many of those have been marked by the life of the church, not just here in Lord Minson, not just LGF, but globally over these last almost two years. Have we just become complainers? change us. God, remind us of who our love is and who we're called to love and how we're called to live. 
Sometimes we just carried a pride around, didn't we? You see, it's possible for both the believer and the church to be active in God's work and yet to be dead spiritually. Life without love is not righteousness. It's just ritual. My hope and prayer for you and for me is that God would help us to live a life full of love. That we love those around us. That we love our neighbors ourselves. That we love those who are different than us. That we love those around us so much that we would put aside even what our, our comfort zone and say, you know what, I want to talk to you about Christ and his love for you and his, his desire to see you come to him. Father, build that passion in us. As we return to you, Heavenly Father, would you do something in us? Oh, Father, you see our lives today. We have done many things well. Not much like the church in Ephesus. Where we would get the, yeah, good job. But God, I think in the, lo in the love area, we are needing help. We're called to love this world around us. We're called to reach them. We're called to make a difference. Lord, would you help us? Would you help us, Father, as we return to our first love today? Would you guide us and strengthen us to live for you? In Jesus' name. If you'd like prayer this morning, I'm going to invite you to come to the front worship team is going to lead us in a song. If you'd like prayer, why don't you come? I'd be happy to pray with you and for you. May God bless you. Let's be a blessing to our world.
and you know us and, and when we sin and when we mess up your son is there saying Father I died for that I died for that sin I died for that individual Lord the, the accuser of our brethren would like to come and to tear us down and to destroy us but Father we thank you for the the one who sits next to the Father reminding us that we've been saved and set free We've been forgiven and healed. Lord, I pray that you would be with us today, that you would go with us. I pray, Lord, that we would carry a message of love to those we can 
connect with. Oh, God, would you go with us and use us for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. May God bless you and be with you.